Recently, I sat down with a very good friend of mine and a person who I refer to as professor in in my blog posts, as well as the acknowledgement section of my books. His name is Anil Kamal, and he and I work together in the federal public service. I met him a few short years ago, and in that time, he has had an incredible impact on my life, the trajectory my creative life has taken, and I couldn't be happier to call him a friend and my editor, my sounding board when I am frustrated about the process, and I would love for you to sit in on a conversation that we had. This will be part one, because when we get to chatting, we often talk for quite some time. So uh, without further ado, I would love to introduce you to the Anil Kamal. I'm glad that you could come and join us today for my first chat with my creative friends. Today, we have with us screenwriter Anil Kamal. Anil, say hi to the folks. Hey, folks. So let's do a getting to know you rapid fire. City or country? City. See the future or change the past? Oh, that is a good one. Ooh. Change the past. Past, okay. That's a good one. Okay. Appetizer or dessert? Oh, these are tough ones. <laughs> <laughs> Appetizer. Really? Because right now, I would love to have some, I know it's really early while we're recording this, but last night I watched a show and they, oh no, I'm going to tell on myself now. So I was watching reality television, Real Housewives of Atlanta, <laughs> and they visited New Orleans and they went to this joint where they served oysters, but I've never seen oysters the way that they served them at this joint. It was slathered with cheese and it was bubbling. And I was like, oh, when this pandemic is over, we need to go for some of those oysters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't, I do not understand people who like oysters. I mean, uh, I guess I understand you, but like, I just don't understand. Like, what is it? They're so slippery and- I think you're supposed to chew them or? No, you're supposed to just slurp them. At least that's how I was taught to do them. And I think the allure is in the freshness, but also the, the condiments, the different things that they give you, like the, the tangy sauces, the, the aiolis they give you, the peppers. I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's an experience. It's fun, you know? And Did you um, ever go to Copacabana by the sea? Yes, I think... We all went. Did we all? One okay. Of the first I only went times. that one time. And so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that yeah. was a good experience. No, okay. you didn't have a good time. Oh, well, no, <laughs> I, I did have a good time because there were other things to eat aside from oysters. But like mm. when everybody was just going nuts over that oyster platter, I was like, what is this? 
I cannot be part of this part of your experience, but mm. yay for you guys. <laughs> okay, that wasn't quite rapid fire, but I'm glad that we had that conversation. Um, do you prefer spring or fall? Spring. Toilet paper over or under? Under, 100%. And I was thinking what? about this the other day. I don't what know. Yes, it has to be under. I think that's just how my mom had it in her house. And whenever I see it over, it just freaks me out. It gets me confused. It gets me upset. You know it that the patent specifically says that it's supposed to go over, right? <laughs> no. Let's put the, the I patent. think you're, you're right, because that's how they have it in hotels. When they fold it all pretty, it's over. But I, I like it under. I don't under, like when you, when you pull it, when it's under, it, it automatically cuts off the amount of paper. That's so terrible. No, I want to be able to like pull it out as much as I want. All right. It does that too. I think it depends on where you are. I think if you're in your own home, it'll roll freely. I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah. No, no. Cause Kevin put it under one time and I was like, what is this? <laughs> It only gave me like three squares. I, I, I can't. Jokes. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite song from childhood? Well, that's super easy. Uh, it's Vogue. It'll always be Vogue. <laughs> what is something that you love, but everyone else seems to hate? And don't say oysters because we just covered that. What's something that I love that everyone else seems to hate? Or dislike. Hate may be a, a strong. Hmm. I like to iron. Really? It gives me a satisfaction to see the wrinkles disappear from the, the fabric. I It's something. It's like, you know how some people and me when I was younger too, like, you know, you vacuum the carpet and then when you pull it, and you get the, and the pile comes up and you have a line. I yeah. like that. And in the same fashion, I like, to iron a garment and then it's wrinkle free. I, I just, I think the older I get that allure has gone away, but when I was younger, people used to really, um, I won't say make fun of me, but rib me because everything would be ironed. Did you iron I would iron jeans, I would iron wool sweaters, I would iron everything. Everything was a crisp. You're my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad can't leave the house without a nice crease down mm. jeans. Oh, really? He creases his jeans. I'm telling you, like you could stand the jeans up. And they would just. And they like would just stand frozen. up without like a person <laughs> sit. All right. All right, Mr. Grimes. <laughs> too much. <laughs> okay. Since we're all about like difficult questions. And, you know, keeping in mind that I'm a dear friend of yours. What do you value most in your friends? Compassion. Compassion. Just having, just knowing that you have a friend, a person that you can rely on that can just listen and understand. That's base, That's a huge tenet that a lot of people probably don't realize is so important. But yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Yeah. What are you working on right now? Yeah, I've got a few ores in the fireplace. Um, one is uh, something I've just developed. It's in its infancy. Uh, it's about, it's a kind of like a tongue-in-cheek uh, black dramedy about this young kid. He's in his teens and he, all of a sudden at his school, he's kind of the shy, quiet type. He's out, he's brown, 
he keeps to himself. He is a budding makeup artist doing YouTube tutorials. But then all of a sudden, a reality show wants to start filming at his private school. And that puts all the kids into a, a tizzy because of social media and popularity. And he has zero inkling of wanting to do this. Um, he doesn't even think he has a chance. It's probably going to go to one of the popular kids. But of course, in this day and age, everybody wants diverse of the moment right now. And the producers see him in the hallway and they want him. And all of a sudden, this whole reality show centers around him. So it's this exploration of what happens when the spotlight goes on you, what happens when a reality show uh, takes place in a high school and all of the different things that happen and how you deal with publicity and social media as a 16 year old in, in 2021 and all the stuff that comes along with it, both good and bad. That's kind of the long elevator pitch of it. But yeah, that's number one. And number two is something I'm collaborating with a friend of mine, a fellow writer. And in a nutshell, it's basically a murder she wrote in Cottage Country. And it's about this uh, woman who sticks it to her husband in the divorce and wants the the house, the cottage, the family house, because she wants to get up there and, you know, escape and reinvent herself. But you know, mystery follows her and all of these murders start happening in quiet cottage country. So I think that that's going to really, and who doesn't love going away to the cottage? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's fun and terrifying at the same time. Right. Get to relax, but also solve a mystery. There we go. And the thought of becoming ultra famous in high school I mean, you imagine on, like, on the surface, yeah. I'm sure that sounds great. But when you start to think about, especially nowadays, yeah, and in the reality TV context, how right. invasive that is, how do you manage that? That's going to be really, really interesting. When we were in school, there was no, I mean, I know what I went through and I can't even imagine having cameras there or, or all the kids being able to, what they say to you or what they say to each other, be posted on a public forum for everybody to see. No so way. that's happening now with today's kids, which is like so crazy. But then to put the reality show media circus on it, it's just insane. So, yeah. Wow. Good luck with that. that Thank you. They sound like they're going to be really exciting projects to work on. So fingers crossed for you. Yay. Thank you. Is there any place right now where we can find work of yours? Like if you read that we can read right now? We do. And it's ironic. I don't know if ironic is the right word. I'm being Alanis Morissette now and using ironic the wrong way. (laughs) I love Alanis Morissette, by the way. Alanis, if you listen to this, we're fellow Ottawans. I adore you. Um, Yes. So I've written a nonfiction piece about my coming out and it was published a few years ago in an anthology called Fashionably Late. And you can find that wherever fine books are sold. Please check it out. It's a really great uh, collection of stories about men who have come out later in life. And I think uh, it's worth a read. So please go check that out. Definitely worth a read. Your story is heartwarming and funny and I really enjoy it, but I mean, one might say I'm biased. Just a tad, just a scooch bias. <laughs> <laughs> so you just kind of mentioned that you and Alanis are Ottawaites. Mm-hmm. You were born and raised in Ottawa? I was. When I picture Ottawa, I mean, coming from a public service perspective. Yeah. The sidewalks roll up at 6 p.m. and 
there's there's nothing exciting going on is that is that I mean that's a yes and a no and I'm going to champion my city and say that it's a lovely city and there are things to do but I have lots from of the, those tulips and stuff. they we do we have the tulip festival which is just a lovely part of our 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 city's history but to answer the first part of your question, the sidewalks do figuratively roll up at, at five o'clock because at least in Centertown, where all the government offices are, everybody goes home. So that's just the nature of working in a government town. But in terms of like the bustle and stuff like that, that we do have areas of the city where that happens, um, like the market and Westboro. So in terms of that, and Ottawa is growing by the day. It amazes me every time I go back there to see how much it's grown exponentially. And you've mentioned, you mentioned the Tulip Festival in the spring, which is a huge draw for us. And then we also have Winterlude in the winter. And we have little festivals here and there. We have the Jazz Festival in the summer. And Canada Day is our, our signature piece. So yeah, come visit Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> It's a beautiful city. Maybe after COVID, you can come visit. Don't come visit now. Let the numbers go down. For sure, for sure. So you're a screenwriter. You are a novelist. You are in anthologies. You're all- Oh my. (laughs) Is that what you wanted to be when you grew up? When you were a little kid? Not at all. I wanted to be in the movies <laughs> I never thought I mean I always loved writing and literature I never thought it was something that I could actually do as a career as a, a side career for now but um it's so nice that that's something that has come into my lap I guess a bit later in life like you uh, the same thing because uh, I've like all of us who've who love to write we're all born readers and I never thought when I was a kid reading all those books and stuff like that, that I would, that that was a career option. And it's interesting that I'm saying that I'm, I'm, my mind is going to a tweet. Like I said, I'm a heavy uh, retweeter, but uh, there's a tweet. I follow a lot of authors on Twitter and I follow Angie Thomas and Mm -hmm. she tweeted something the other day that's been, that stayed with me. And she said, a little black girl came to her the other day and when she find out, found out that she was an author, she didn't realize that, that was something that she could do. And now that she's met Angie Thomas and saw that she's written, written books that are published, that it's a viable option for her. And that is basically the exact same thing for me when I was a kid, because literally, and I was a kid of the 80s and 90s, so what else did I have but books written by exclusively white cisgen people that's all I had and I love them all all the books I read I love them but I I didn't see myself in any of these books so it's so nice that today's generation can see themselves in literature regardless of what it is on the spectrum and feel like one day I can do that if I want to because somebody that looks like me has done that so yeah it's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. That is a huge thing. Yeah. And you're paving the way for folks coming behind you who not only want to write, but write. Yeah. And produce TV shows. Yeah. So the whole kind of gambit. Uh-huh. That's wonderful. What about 
acting, how have you just packed that away now? Or do you think that one day you're going to write something that you will star in? Are you looking forward to that? No, because that's, I did that and I did that with Saffron and that's slowly Saffron's getting younger and I'm getting older. So I think for me, age does put a lot of things in perspective and if it ever happens, I'll be happy. If it doesn't, it's okay. All my eggs are in the writing basket right now. And because I'm, I'm on a trajectory and I have the support and the right amount of people, the right people in my corner, I think that regardless of how long it takes, I'm making, I'm making inroads and that's where my head is at right now. And I think it also has to do with being younger and being so um, not lost, but like craving some sort of acceptance. And I'm sure a lot of actors probably feel this way that you you turn to that and the fame aspect that that's gonna somehow make everything better right. or make your voice heard or whatever, whatever. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, it's okay. I'm so happy for the people that are making the inroads. And because you also have to add in the the person of color factor and the LGBTQ factor. And when you put all that into consideration, you realize that it's tough for anybody, even if you've studied acting or you've, you are a working actor, the parts aren't there for yeah. us. Yeah. So if I can write them <clears throat> for my fellow actors, I'm going to do it from the inside. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a tough, tough industry, uh, both, you know, writing the novel world, the fiction world, nonfiction, and the television film world. So to your point, yeah. would you would you want to write something that's for a character who is going through that kind of awakening that you're going through yeah. right now with regard to, you know, I'm not that um, young person who yeah. is seeking fame anymore. Like I've, I'm grown comfortable in my own skin. I know who I am, what I want as an adult. Because I, I think that there's this gap. There's often this gap where, you know, these shows are geared towards younger people mm -hmm. who are like striving and climbing and whatever. And then there's this gap for folks that are our age. And the ones who, like the actors who are our age, they're playing people's moms and like right. with grown children like right. it, yeah. it's to my mind it's completely absurd given that most of our friends who have kids yeah. their children are younger because right. we are having kids mm -hmm. older yeah so th that dynamic is missing I 100% agree and that does come through in my writing it just so happened that um the opposite of what I, I, I wrote, I usually write with the, the thing I told you about earlier about the kid with in high school with social media. I usually tend to write characters that are around my age or a bit older. Uh, the drag queen uh, television show that I, I'm working, I've been working on for the past couple of years. I started that when I was in my late 30s. So he is in his late 30s. I also have another television show that's on the back burner but it's, it centers around a, a, a woman in her, in her 40s. So I'm with you. There, we, need, we need more representation of people from all different ages, but a lot of, we need people that are our age 
to see them on, on in TV because I find that that you're right. There's like a there's a gap. It's either you're a teenager or you're in your early twenties or you're a mom or you're a dad. There's no like that adult yeah. person with the lived experience doing things. Right. Sure. And like I just when you said that, I was thinking, you know, that when they do tend to portray that late thirties to late forties person, they're this career monster. Yes. That's all that exists for them. And, and they typically go through their life, destroying everything in their path in order to pursue their career. And I, I know that a TV show of just like public servants sitting around doing public service yeah. probably not that exciting but they did make the office they did make the office so there's that but we're not all like that no so but anyway. well, i think there are some some streamers that are like netflix who are getting it getting it right and understanding that there are so many different audiences and the two shows that come to my mind uh the first one is uh I, think, I believe it's dead to me with Christina Applegate. Uh, that's a very, you know, it's two women in their forties and yeah, she happens to be a mom, but that's not her story. It's a very adult, uh, where, where am I going type of show. And then you have, you go a couple of decades further and you have Grace and Frankie Grace and which is just a fabulous show. I think it's it is our modern day Golden Girls, and to have those two women, those two fierce, independent women, uh, have their voice, uh, it's lovely to see. But then I just quoted two shows to you that are exclusively white, so it would be nice to see shows with people of color. Uh, I can't really talk to the content of this show, but I've heard so many good things about it. It's nice to, you know, mention it as much as I can. There's a show uh, that Michaela Cole from the UK has done on HBO called I May Destroy You. And it's kind of self-autobiographical about mm -hmm. her past as a sexual abuse victim. And I've heard such great things about it. And she's, an, I mean, even though she's younger than me, she's an idol of mine because she's an auteur who, you know, writes and stars in her own original material. And for a Black woman to have achieved that sort of success is admirable and it's fantastic and it needs to be championed. So yeah, I, need, I may destroy you on HBO. I think in Canada, it's on Crave. Yeah, I've heard great things about that show. Yeah. I've also heard that the subject matter... Yes, I've heard it's very difficult, but difficult, it's... So. Yeah. But well worth the investment of your, of your time. So as a kid, you wanted to be an actor. When you grew up a little bit older in high school, is that, like, was that, is that it? Like, you, you wanted to be an actor or bust it was a bust it was it really was i had i had blinders on because <laughs> uh it's tough you know growing up as a, a queer kid person of color you you latch on to things and you think that this is this is going to save me this is going to this is going to show them this this is going to be but then you you grow up and you go to school and you re you realize that the world is not black and white and brown and that you even no matter how much you want it there's not even people like you in that industry that are, are at the level that you want to be so 
and then you're not in those circles you don't live in hollywood you don't live in toronto you don't live in la so what are you going to do and you turn that's when i turned to to writing uh i and i did my english lit degree and i i, I allowed myself to further my education in something that i truly truly loved which was reading and that's i'm glad i 20 something year old me was able to say, you know what, I'm going to take the realm, the helms of my life as I should. It's tough as a, all ethnic kids know that, you know, your parents steer you in one direction, but oftentimes, especially as a kid who is invested in the arts, you kind of got to steer it away a bit yeah. with a lot of pushback, but what, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> what did your parents envision for you? What I think every Indian person who's listening to this knows the answer to that is doctor. <laughs> it was doctor or bust, but uh, organic chemistry, first year organic chemistry did me in. Oof, did it do me in. The tough course. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have been a doctor. I think it's a, a noble profession, uh, but you need the smarts for it and the mindset for it. And I did not, but, and then, but, that's another thing that I think is important for people in the arts to understand and appreciate about themselves. What we do, not everybody else can do. To put pen to paper, to put your imagination to words, to life, to breathe wor words into them is something that not a lot of people are gifted with. So it is difficult. It may seem like it's flase da, easy breezy, but it's not. We just have that skill. You know what I mean? And yes, we nourish it and make get ourselves better every single day. But that innate ability that we have, we it's not something that everybody can do. So we should be super proud of ourselves that we have that and that we nurture it. For STEM, it's important, but it's also more. I want to say, I want to say respected, but it's more rooted for like your people will root for that. Like your parents, they'll be like, it's more the, the money's right. there. It's right. and, the and the for it. The, the tangible. It's tangible. You will have the success there. Whereas with the arts, dancing, writing, uh, acting, all that stuff. I think parents know that it's, it's a tough Avenue and they just, you know, in hindsight, we know our parents just wanted what's best for us. But back then it's like, oh, that sucks. Why can't I? Why can't I? So all yeah. we can do now in our own roles is just pay it forward. For sure. You told me once that you really like horror. Mm -hmm. you, did you used to write horror? You know, the first, my first memory of creative writing was mm -hmm. in the seventh grade and in French no less I wrote what I believe was my first short story and it was called translated into English a nightmare on Sunview Drive because Sunview Drive was the name of the uh, school that I was at where the school was and I basically um it was kind of like a parody, but an homage to a Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. And I made my teacher a female Freddy Krueger. And she went and killed all of her students. And I find that hilarious because what was I? What's grade seven? You're 12. 
And that was my first instinct into what I should write was horror. So I just, that does tell me a lot of what my, the foundation blocks were for me as a child. And we go back now to being an ethnic child and ethnic parents and how differently we're, we're raised, especially being a child of the eighties and nineties um, and having, you know, an immigrant parent raise you in Canada that some things we were just shown not, they didn't know that those are things you shouldn't show a kid of that age. And I'm talking about horror movies. And that's where my, I guess my love of horror movies was instilled. Um, Cause I remember as a child, my parents allowed me to watch horror movies that I wouldn't probably not let a child my, of that age watch now. So I watched The Exorcist when I was six, seven years old. I watched this weird stripper vampire movie called Vamp when I was at that age. I watched Amityville Horror. I watched The Twilight Zone. I watched The Shining. All of these movies. Your parents never watched horror movies back in Guyana? They, I don't know if they did or they didn't, but... Your mom's probably like my mom and never went to the movies when she was young. She did, but <laughs> they went and watched Bollywood movies. I don't think they watched horror movies. So okay. I was allowed to watch these frightful, life-changing, life-impression-making horror movies. And they did imprint on me. And I have this love for horror to this day. Whenever it's movie night at home, we always drift to what can we watch in the horror genre? We watched The Craft Legacy a few nights ago. No offense to the craft people, but it was a bit of a disappointment. Didn't really pay homage to the original craft. It wasn't scary at all. But um, yeah, uh, and it's funny, I don't write horror now for, for work, for screenwriting, because I have this idealized vision of what I want my first horror screenplay to be. And I already know what it's going to be, but I have, cause I, it's so perfect in my head and I don't, I haven't written it yet. Cause I don't, I don't, I, it's still untouched. I think you should. I think yeah. that would be really, really interesting. Yeah. What you like horror, horror, not uh, slasher, not gore. We're talking like, like the psychological thrillers. We're talking the, like a good psychological jump type of thing where it's you're not seeing murdered bodies and it's like something that's really gonna like an exorcist i find those faith-based movies really do a, a mind f on you um and all we really get to see in north american film is catholicism and christianity so i think and this is another reason why we need to see more representation in english cinema there is a movie that came out it's i would say it's a horror like a thriller that came out a few months ago it's on amazon and it centers on an indian american woman and, and her mother and she meets this gentleman who seems too good to be true and her mother talks to him on the phone and she kind of puts two and two together mm. and realizes he's the reincarnation of her ex-boyfriend who tried to kill her it's called Evil Eye. It's on Amazon. They did such a good job with it because it also brings into play facets of Hinduism and spirituality. And that's kind of what my, the I won't tell you what my envisioning is of my television show that I want to write that's horror-based, but 
it does bring in facets of Hinduism and, and spirituality and what it looks like on that spectrum. Because I find those, when you deal with faith and belief and you bring in the, the fright, what happens when you fall f- from grace with faith and God, I think that's just so fascinating. Yeah, that stuff is super terrifying. And I, I mean, I'm not a horror fan to begin with. So All right. <laughs> there's that. But I absolutely stay away from faith-based horror. Oh like my anything God. that has That's, yeah. anything that has to do with religion or children, I want nothing to do with it. My sister's on this on this kick right now where she wants to catch up on all these horror movies from when we were kids. And she keeps coming back to the omen. And I'm like, if you want to, <laughs> I wouldn't. I saw I, I've never seen The Omen, like the first one. I've seen Damien Omen 2. Mm-hmm. And I'm scarred for life. I'm scarred for life. There are things that happen in the world now, like places that I go and things that I see just in my everyday life that still harken back to that movie. And I'm, yeah. I'm wrecked. So oh, for sure. I will support you <laughs> with your endeavor from the sidelines mm-hmm. but please forgive me if i never see your movie it's all good you can read them i'll read it there and i'm go. sure it'll give me much more vivid nightmare <laughs> than the director could come up with <laughs> so yeah i'm looking forward to that um have you ever googled yourself and were you surprised by the results i have and i wasn't i've never googled i haven't googled myself recently i think i googled myself years and years ago and the only things that came up were related to our current job because sometimes our names will come up as court registrars for things. Mm-hmm. But I guess the adjacent to that is that I've checked for my name on social media, mostly because there's, an, there's another Anil Kamal that has my handle. And I find it very bizarre because I thought my name was somewhat unique. Uh, so I've checked on Twitter and on Insta and there are Anels there, Anel Kamals, but nothing exciting. And they've, like, the one person that has my, my, my handle on both Instagram and Twitter has zero followers, has never tweeted anything. So it's, you think it sucks it's like that somebody... I can't. It's somebody who just, it's just, I don't know what it is. So, because yeah. right now on Twitter and Instagram, I've put a the before my name, like a lot of other people do when their handle is taken. So I actually like the the. In yeah. Your name, like it, it makes you stand out. I think you're distinct. I'm. It's you are the <laughs> like, not just some random Kamal. It's me. You are the. <laughs> if you're looking for the real deal, right? That's where you go. I like that. Mm. Don't don't tell them to give it up. Let them have. All it. right, let them have it. <laughs> I'm at at the Anil Kamal on both Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, give me a, a checkout. I am not a huge uh, tweeter grammar, uh, but I'm I'm slowly getting there, and um, I'm a huge profiles? retweeter. <laughs> <laughs> are your yeah. profiles public? Anybody? Can they hear? are both public. Yes. That's cool. Thank you for coming and hanging out with me today. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Let's let's do it again soon if the public deems it so <laughs> i deem it so let's do it again there we go <laughs> we will do it again real soon.
thank you for joining me in this, my inaugural chat with creative friends. I am so pleased that my dear friend, sibling from another family, editor, and colleague, Anil Kamal, was the first guest to appear. I hope you enjoyed listening in on our banter. And if you have any comments, we would love to hear them. You can go to anchor.fm slash written by Grimes slash messages or click the leave us a message link in the description of the podcast and record us an audio message. We will listen to it and perhaps it'll become a part of the next episode wherein Anil and I continue our conversation and we get into talking more about craft and creative life. Until then, I wish you a fabulous day.